You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colander Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast yeah. channel. I, I am your humble host and paralegal at the law offices of Smith and Hunter, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have the NFL's top free agent fan and resident old man, Clark Barnes, starter of the hashtag Please Stay Reggae Jean Page movement and working girl, Jordan Smith. And admirer of the Mac Jones workout plan, the Ginger Woodsman, Nick Botiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing swell. Good, Pete. How are you? I am good. I want to say, dear listeners, I apologize if there is some mild feedback throughout this. I'm at currently my parents' house, and uh, and their Wi-Fi is maybe a little spotty. So we will see how it goes. Um, well, it's we like have- Will Smith said, parents just don't understand Wi-Fi. It's true. Truer words have never been spoken. Will Smith. I, voice I had a friend. I had a friend in high school um, whose parents Good would, for you, Nick. Well thank done. Thank you. Actually, I, I had a few friends in high school. But this <laughs> wow, to the news. this guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> his, his, parents, his parents would turn off the Wi-Fi at night um because in their words that way nobody could steal it oh and sure savvy that's smart that's wise never, that's that's just good parenting right there we would try to explain like that it's not how it works to them it's just like stone fate like does not process like you no know, thieves yeah. are in the night we're not there, gonna have wi-fi it. theft is a real thing and let's not joke about it speaking of age i found out that ryan fitzpatrick <laughs> is a few months younger than me today <laughs> Well, that's why they call you the resident old man. Yeah. A few what? months younger and a less impressive beard. Hey, that's what I was... Thank Jordan, you took the words out of my mouth. Yes, well said. Well said. Um, we have a lot to get to. Obviously, the NFL draft went down, and we have lots to talk about that. There's drama in uh, in Jordan's home state of Wisconsin. But before we get to any of that, you guys, it's time to cue the Power Rangers theme music and bust out the wheel because Nicholas made the dumbest wheel bet and it did not come true. He said that Devonta Smith was going to go to the Colts. And when he goes to the Colts, he was going to get over a thousand yards uh, and Paris Campbell was going to play 14 games. So with that, we have to spin the wheel. Uh, Nick, would you like to hear your potential punishments before one is decided for you? Yeah. Yeah. What's my, what's my punishment or what what do we have punishments? Uh, one option is you have to do a dramatic reading of Baby by Justin Bieber. Uh, I have never one, heard that song. Well, we'll get you the lyrics. Don't worry. They're oh, wait, no. Insightful. Does he say that word a bunch? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, you have to eat a spoonful of mustard. Uh, you have to do a one-minute stand-up routine. So start thinking of some good jokes. Oh, please, that one. 
You have to agree with everything Clark says for an entire show. Please, that one. You have to, and the final one is you have to write and read a haiku about Pete Carroll's greatness. <laughs> These are great choices. All great options. Oh, thank you, Clark. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to spin the wheel this episode and then next episode, uh, which we will touch on at the end of the show. So make sure you stick around for that. Next episode, Nick will pay out his wheel uh, punishment. That way you have time, Nick, to prepare for it so that you're not rushing to write this during the show. We want your full attention on thank the you. show. And then next next week, you'll be able to uh, to give the punishment. So again, let's play the music. Hit the Power Rangers theme that Nick loves and chose to be the theme of this. And we are spinning the wheel. And we have landed on a dramatic reading of Justin Bieber's Baby. Oh, I know. Clark's like least... my least favorite one. I know, I know. But Can we, we will make sure- trade that? Can we trade that? No, Clark, we can't okay. on the first, no, the first wheel. This punishment. is, we're we already undermining like, the wheel. Like the rules. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> already destroying all good faith that we've put towards this wheel. Okay, um, this is exciting. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Thank you, thank you. All right, so we're gonna send, so Nick, I'll make sure you get the, the appropriate lyrics for you to practice thank and you. give us a good dramatic reading of. Um, so stay tuned for that next week. Uh, but let's get into the NFL news. And the news starts with nothing. You thought nothing could top the NFL draft. Nothing could take attention away from the NFL draft. Well, you would be wrong, people, because rumors swirling, flying all over the NFL NFL sphere, there we go, about Jordan's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, their relationship has reached a point. Can they come back from it? I don't know. As our Packers insider and presumed ring bearer, at Aaron Rodgers and Shaylee Woodley's wedding. Uh, Jordan, give us the cliff notes of the latest Rodgers drama. What does it all mean? I'm like rubbing my face right now <laughs> in like just kind of disgust and like annoyance because I, I'm honestly, I'm so tired of it. I, I'm taking it personally because I've, I've defended Aaron. I've defended the Packers as an organization and it's just getting like, annoying at this point that there's just this like honestly it's unnecessary drama right now because I mean yeah Aaron can be a little bit peeved that the Packers drafted Jordan Love and they could have communicated that draft pick with him a little bit clearly but he's smart enough to understand and, and all of us know like all those Packers has been following the news that it came out after that draft knew they weren't like long-term diabolical in love the pick just happened they wanted to get brandon Ayuk. they wanted to get justin jefferson they weren't made high enough to get either of those the packers have always done that's what they did literally when aaron Rodgers was drafted and now he is saying or at least telling first he was he told people in the front office then it was telling teammate he he wasn't going to come back to play. Um, usually, uh, again, I usually side with the players in these sorts of situations, but it's not like he is getting destroyed by his offensive line year in and year out because they don't know how to rebuild it, or it's not like they have some sort of like 
leadership guru running their front office and trading away all of their best assets. Is really- hey, shots. Even at his I bottom, think- Jordan is firing shots. <laughs> My favorite thing about this is I'm pretty sure this is okay. what we uh, all went through um, last year. Oh, it, this team has put together. It's it's kind of similar, but at the same time, it's like Aaron's coming off an MVP season, partly because of the team that was put around him, the head coach that was hired, that was installed, and the weapons that are there. They're not like doing. Comp- I don't know if he wants to retire, then like go ahead and retire. If you want to go to another team, like good luck and go to another team. There's not going to be another team out there right now with the uh open available qb spot uh, and the infrastructure to be i'm sorry it's not even yeah the only other team that like people were making connections to and we'll talk about them a little later in the news was the Denver Broncos that there was reports coming at the Denver Broncos evidently have some immaculate package for him but this time, this time things and Clark, you feel free to build upon what you were saying, because like we have seen this before, but somehow this feels much more uh, like happening ish, whatever that, you know. So maybe, but I, I don't think so. This, this is exactly what we saw last year, right after the Packers yet again, decided to not give Aaron Rodgers what he wanted. Uh, not making any comments about uh, how it feels to Packers fans. This is one of my favorite things about Packers fans is after they're scorned a time or two, they're taking it personally. And that state, that is like the whole state feels this way. (laughs) My, my special Packers inside correspondent, I sent her a message the other day of like, oh, things are getting spicy with Aaron Rodgers. And this is a very nice person. She's in training. She's a very corpo person. Her response was, fuck you. And that just makes me so happy because Green Bay fans are so hyped. But where is he going to go? No one's going to trade for him. If you're yeah. the Packers, you're not going to trade him. He can piss and moan and whine and, and make all the hoopla that he wants. But like, I really don't see Aaron Rodgers playing for another team this year. And so this is all just like super fun off season stuff for me. And the idea of like, Oh, we've been trying, we've been trying to draft a wide receiver. That all is just sounds like just nonsense to me of like trying to placate things afterwards because other wide receivers were available. Other players were available. All this like backwards math of how you're not so bad. Just sounds like media play. And I I just can't wait to enjoy this the entire off season. And then Aaron Rodgers revenge tour 2.0. Like what's better than MVP. It's going to be Super Bowl MVP and MVP. 70 touchdowns, two interceptions (laughs) this year. (laughs) Book it baby. So when, uh, when the reports were coming out that, that Denver was, like putting together it was like impressive packages or something like that i took the advice for denver i mean well endowed well done denver um um (laughs) i I put a speculative uh super bowl bet on them that i'm i'm hoping can still someday come to fruition because the odds were really fucking high oh it was like plus six thousand or some shit like that 
I got it. I got it at uh, plus fifty five hundred. Nice. I put fifty bucks on it. Like, nice. yeah, I will lose fifty dollars for the opportunity to win a couple grand. Um, I think Clark said it all really well. Uh, obviously, I've been a, a huge critic of this franchise, the way that they have completely failed to support, like, if not the all time great Clark. If you want to come at me, please do. But if if not the all-time great, one of the all-time greats, there have been a lot of players that they've chosen to pass on for one reason or another. Um, I, I uh, Just leaving it at this, I, I, I found that um, Michael Lombardi, although he is totally hit or miss and doesn't seem to find too much middle ground in his reporting, I think that his athletic piece on President Mark Murphy and uh, his, his Friday podcast where he talks about Murphy's like kind of seizing power and all that kind of shit, um, was was informative to say the least. So if anybody's interested in in getting his opinion on the inner workings of the state of Green Bay, um, I recommend it. Yeah, my my only critique is that it it does seem uh, the idea that the organization hasn't taken care of Aaron or hasn't done things seems kind of silly to me. He has been surrounded by some they were the best good offense players. in the NFL last year. Like, yeah, like. They've taken time to build a good offensive line. Yes, the overwhelming narrative seems to be that they haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round, but like Brashad Perriman was drafted in the first round. So that doesn't mean that you're going to get some great player on your team. They're pretty good, but boy, I just just get my popcorn ready for this. I love the, the childish antics of Aaron Rodgers. I do too. My, my favorite stat in regards to like not drafting a receiver or whatever that was circulating on draft day was um, the Packers since 2008, since they drafted him, the only quote skill position player that they've drafted is Jordan Love in the, in the first round, <laughs> which like, that's pretty fucking funny. Um, and I, I think it speaks to his, his frustration. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'm here for it. See, I think that's like the dumbest stat that's been circulating in the past couple of days, because if you like have watched the Packers and especially their like, you know, failings in the playoffs, let's call it what it is. They've just had to outscore opponents by like 42 to 35 or something. They've had to just drop points. And I'm like, you know what, Aaron, you know, what's easier for you is if you don't have to do that. You know, what's awesome is if you don't have guys like Kevin King just getting absolutely roasted uh on a deep pass before the half it's better to just not have you know uh mike petton defense out there or have just absolute gaps everywhere and that's what they've tried to address in the first round but like they've had drafts like this past one where they're putting together like they absolutely reinvested in the offensive line yet again so whoever is the quarterback for green bay is going to be continually protected pretty well. And there are other ways to help Aaron than putting out wide receivers who they still find good wide receivers everywhere. So, and if MVS learns how to catch, that's a, you know, 13, 1300 yard receiver right there. Like the the guy got open and, and any year now, Pete, any year now it's going to (laughs) happen. And I'm going to overdraft him. All right, let's move on to the news. Uh, we I alluded to it when we were talking about the Rogers, the Broncos were obviously very much involved in that. Everyone was, I will, I guess I'll speak for myself. I feel like everyone was certain that they were going to have to leave this draft with a the quarterback. They didn't. Uh, instead, they traded a sixth round pick for Teddy Bridgewater uh, from the Carolina Panthers. And I guess this made John Elway and the powers at Denver think that they were fine at that position and 
when Justin Fields fell into the lap at eight, they were like, nah, we don't need that. Uh, we absolutely love Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as our quarterbacks. Uh, so Clark, who starts more games for the Broncos in 2021, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? It's, it's Teddy Bridgewater because they have a defensive minded head coach and Drew Locke is the type of quarterback who, if you squint super hard, can give you a chance to win any game. And Teddy Bridgewater is the type of quarterback who, if you look at him, is like, he's not going to lose a ton of games for us. So Denver is going to have a very unimpressive 6-11 and record with Teddy Bridgewater starting most of their games. And just the idea that Carolina or Denver would not draft Justin Fields. I just, I'll stop right there. It seems bad. I just, the, the Denver not move, pulling the trigger out of quarterback makes so little sense to me because that team, yes, you're in the same division as the Chiefs, and that's always going to be a massive hurdle to get over, duh. But this team is so well positioned for making real noise with a pretty good defense, a terrific, I mean, their receiving core is terrific. And, and their backfield, like they are, they are well positioned to be like a team that could make noise in the AFC if they just got a, a good quarterback. And instead they were like, well, we're going to see what Drew Locke's got. And if not, we're going to turn it over to Teddy Bridgewater, who, eh. Speaking so, of backfield, are we going to talk about the second round of the Denver Broncos? Fucking Don't like plan? that. Okay. Melvin Gordon, my Melvin Gordon shares, very disappointed. So I want to I want to present something as a compliment that's actually poking fun at Clark, and that's that uh, we covered on the show last week. Uh, Josh Norris was all over the Carolina Panthers not being interested in any of these quarterbacks to the point that he actually set the record for the most accurate mock draft of all time. So shout out to Josh Norris. Um, as far as the Broncos goes, them passing on Justin Fields, I I was I was like upset for like an hour that day what and are we doing here? I had like my one draft buddy I kept talking to and every time I get on the phone with him I just get more and more upset it, it, it is such a crazy thing for them to have gone with the corner and like I get it it's a great good pick but we're, really we want we want to roll with Teddy Bridge we want to roll with two guys who are going, who are going to be good enough to keep you out of like right. the top you're five not gonna be bad enough to get a top pick but you're it's not gonna exactly. be good enough to like make real playoff push that's what Teddy Bridgewater is going to bring you. And uh, God, it's just, I mean, and, and Judy's knee, we don't know how Judy's knee could give out at any time, right? Like it's, it's degenerative. You have a pro ready number. Oh God. It's just, it's such a great situation there. And it's a travesty that Justin Fields is not quarterbacking. This, how much uh, draft are we going to talk? Oh, go ahead. Jordan. I was just going to add that this team, like right now it reeks of a team that does pretty well, but you can tell that their offense is not going to have the firepower to put them over the top. And Vic Fangio gets replaced with a very offensive minded head coach. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You can put money on that. Um, yeah. Instead, Jordan, uh, Jordan now has to battle Justin Fields twice a year, but my, but my dynasty Alan Robbins shares are looking pretty right now. Yeah, baby. Alan Look. Robinson finally has a good quarterback. I want Justin Fields to be good, and I hope that he succeeds individually as a person. But the fact that Chicago drafted him makes me a little bit worried about that prediction coming true. Also fair. Also fair. They don't have a great track record. Uh, all right, moving on in the news. Uh, a free agent signing that went down. 
is there much to it? Nah, maybe. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, who's long been a fantasy tease, is continuing to tease the fantasy community by taking his talents to the only other offense outside of Kyle Shanahan's that people are salivating over, and that is, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Nick, it's Daryl Williams and McKinnon behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Do you think that McKinnon can win that RB2 spot? And if so, does that make him a worthwhile handicap in 2021? Or is this you feeling like this is a pretty locked-in CEH and no one else? I think it's a good place for McKinnon to go uh, run some cardio, keep working on his knee, making sure it's in in good shape. And I don't think he's going to do anything other than that. Uh, CEH, he'll be the lead back. I think it uh, will we'll want to continue to learn more about how uh, his, the injuries that he suffered, what they're like on a year-to-year basis. I don't know too much about them. Um, I think that that'll be something to keep in mind, but they, they did spell him enough when he was out there that I, I think we can probably just bill him as the standard, like NFL lead back who he's, he's not the, the bell cow that, that we think of him as uh, or thought of him as at the, at the beginning of uh, the season last year, uh, someone else is going to be getting on the field, but in that kind of an offense, I mean, mid to high RB two with, RB1 splash weeks? Yeah, I think so. For CEH. For CEH, yeah. Don't draft Jarek McKinnon. I was going to about Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> I was being super sarcastic. Jarek McKinnon's not even going to be on the team in week one. Yeah, McKinnon may be a decent football move to give you someone who can spell a couple of receiving down plays. But what's really interesting to me about this is it just gets us into talking about the Kansas city running back situation where it's Daryl Williams or uh, Darwin Thompson. The, that is really the interesting battle to me who is going to be the backup for CH Darwin Thompson, just an absolute like bowling ball, tiny dude who like deadlifted like 4,000 pounds when he was a junior in high school or something, just that kind of player. Who's just an amazing athlete, but didn't get a lot of hype. Uh, I'm, all of this germane to say CEH breakout season is on the horizon and there's no way he's not my RB like six or worst for this year. That's a, that's a bold take clerk. Uh, all right, let's wrap up the news. Finally, the Seahawks have declined Rashad Penny's uh, fifth year option, which no. proves that he's the perfect, a perfect first round pick back in 2018, a perfect first round pick. So well done P Carroll. This is just, just for Nick. Um, yeah, I think that there are a lot of Seattle fans who will claim that like Malik McDowell in the second round is a worse pick because he blew up his face on an ATV. Um, but shout out to him. He just got signed by the Cleveland Browns. Proud right. of him. Happy for him. I think shit, Rashad Penny is absolutely a worse pick than Malik McDowell in the second round. That is the kind of spicy insider Seattle Seahawks takes that I've come to expect from Nick Bodiford. Super mm-hmm. fan, Nick Bodiford. Super fan. Number one fan. Definitely not a 49ers fan. Great Lance, though, right? Holy shit. That's going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, you did. It's going to be so much fun. It's so much. It makes so much more sense than trading up for fucking Mac Jones. (laughs) And apparently that was just media echo chamber. So everyone think about what that means for what the media spoon feeds you. I don't know what to think of that. Public service announcement. Yeah. That was a hell of a hell of a uh, a spin cycle that the old media gave us. Yeah, yeah, I can't say I'm thrilled at the idea of rooting for Mac Jones. So Mac Jones, as 
a 15th, 16th overall pick for quarterback is a fantastic pick. I don't care about the value. All I care about, Clark, is I just wanted to not have to root for a pocket white MAGA quarterback for once in my goddamn life. And I had it in Cam Newton, and now I'm going to have to deal with it again. Maybe the boy's grown up. Maybe the boy's grown up. I feel like Cam's going to start all year. Of all the organizations who would give the better quarterback over their rookie to start all year. I hope so. And Cam is better than Mac Jones. Anyway. Yes, he is. Yes, yes, we all we all accept that. All right, well, that's the news. And before we get into our main topic for the day, let's take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we are back. Obviously, the NFL draft went down. Obviously, you everyone is excited. You're starting now to get really into the depths of fantasy football for 2021. What are we feeling? What are we thinking? A lot of rookies to now disseminate where they went, landing spots, that whole nine yards. And so we're going to help with that. So we each have... Two rookies who we are really love their landing spot in terms of fantasy. And I'll start us off just because this is a guy who is not a sleeper by any stretch of imagination, not a hidden gem that you need convincing on. And is a guy who Clark, you've been changing your hats just throughout this show. Well, you got to reward the uh, podcast viewers, something. (laughs) I love it. Uh, And that's Jamar chase to the Bengals. Absolutely love it. I said back when we did our wheel predicting uh, or wheel of prediction, fortune, whatever, to predict where wide receivers were landing. I said he was going to be a low end wide receiver one if he landed in Cincy. That's a bit bold, but still uh, under Zach Taylor, the Bengals have finished sixth in pass attempts 2019. And then last year they were 13th, but that was mainly because Joe Burrow got injured and they stopped throwing the football. Joe Burrow was on an absurd pace for pass attempts. So they throw the football a lot. AJ Green left in free agency. And this is the biggest thing where I think that there's this huge void for Jamar Chase to step into. He was 30% of Cincy's air yards last year and 18% of their target share. Green, despite not being able to catch, despite you know not getting balls on target or whatever it was, Green had 1,400 plus air yards last year as a 30-year-old playing with Joe Burrow for half the season. And now you're pairing Joe Burrow with his college teammate who set all kinds of records when they played together at LSU, stepping into an offense that has LSU ties because they created it for Joe Burrow. I just, and, and they're going, they're still the worst team in the NFC North or AFC North, excuse me. So they're going to be behind a lot. You're going to be having passing attack games. I just, I think that maybe wide receiver low end wide receiver one is a little bold i think he'll certainly have those kinds of gains but i guess i don't see how i think top 15 production is wouldn't shock me uh coming out of his rookie year and so this landing spot is just ideal to me 
I know we talked about him versus Penny Sewell, whether, where you address it, but uh, Jamar Chase is going to be a guy who I'm certainly going to overdraft in 2021 fantasy. So while I do believe he will be overdrafted, and while I was trying to throw tons of cold water onto your uh, rookies as top producers uh, theme from a couple of podcasts ago, Jamar Chase finishing inside the top 12 of fantasy wide receivers this year, zero surprised. He absolutely looked like a stud next to Justin Jefferson, who, by the way, had a good season because of some injury problems and the Vikings only featuring one receiver in that type of offense. But still, he looked like an absolute stud next to Justin Jefferson, who set the league on fire. I do think that Jamar Chase is a rare talent, and I do think that him being paired, even on a crappy Bengals team, with Joe Burrow is going to be amazing. So while normally I'll just pass on the rookie wide receiver, the rookie tight end, as long as Jamar Chase is not going somewhere like before the fourth round in your regular old drafts, I feel like that's going to be a really good pick. I think fourth might be the, the cost you have to pay. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get, if we get, you know, some sort of uh, like Schefter retweet of chase catching a pass and, you know, without There's pads. Gonna be so much hype about it. Yeah. If he goes up to like third round, but um, yeah, I, I think drafting him as a wide receiver too is probably a safe thing to do. And I think that he'll, he might start a little slow. There's a lot of mouths to feed there, and uh, that division isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a pushover. Um, I I don't know the order of games off the top of my head, so maybe maybe it starts out easy. But um, yeah, it, I, I think wide receiver two, and I think that he could have some like King Kong weeks towards the end of yeah. the season. It sucks if you uh, have some investment in T Higgins stock right now because he goes from like a number or potentially number one wide receiver to two or three on any given week. Uh, the Bengals will have to pass the ball a lot, though, because their run game's not going to go very far uh, week in and week out. So Jamar Chase as a wide receiver, too, is definitely like a good investment strategy. Jordan, who's a landing spot you liked? Uh, one of the landing spots I really liked was Diami Brown um, going to the Washington football team. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has... Uh, still their quarterback so that's not great but he has proven that he can give his wide receivers some pretty good fantasy weeks I like that he will be paired up kind of with Terry McLaurin where you can either learn from him or um, just generally play opposite of him the Washington football team has Calvin Harmon on uh, the roster still but I still think that the wide receiver two position is very much up for grabs and Brown can be a good like X wide receiver who can uh, early on go deep and win a lot of contested catches down the field. And he has a lot of good uh, wide receiver traits. He might have to uh, learn a little bit on the fly in terms of route running and diversifying his tree. But um, if you're in, let's say a dynasty league more so than a redraft, he could be worth an investment in like round two or three of your rookie drafts, depending on how that sorts out. Yeah. I didn't know anything about him, but just through the draft coverage that kind of came out of it, it seems like, it seems like he's a great pairing for Brian Fitzpatrick because he's a guy who wins down the field and there's nothing Ryan Fitzpatrick loves more than just chucking it down the field. Um, 
and I think that the pairing with Terry McLaurin on the outside, Curtis Samuel in the inside, you know, in the middle to do sweeps and to get stuff, you know, to work, operate across the middle and also a little bit deep. I feel like you could see Brown in a situation where he's not going to get a ton of targets and they're kind of going to kind of be boomy, busty plays, but, uh, but when they hit, like he could be a guy like Nelson Aguilar on a on a on a junior level last year. Where Nelson Aguilar was like basically caught like twenty yard touchdowns with regularity, and that could be the kind of production you see out of out of Brown. I think he's a great dynasty ad. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I think maybe not this year for regular old drafts, but for dynasty ads, you know, Washington's going to have to move on from Fitzpatrick probably after this year. Curtis Samuel it's tough to say that he's established himself as kind of a gimmicky third wide receiver, but a very good one. And then Terry McLaurin is the alpha. So Deami Brown has a lot of opportunity here to step into a big role as the number two wide receiver. And he has the height and speed that you're looking for, for that role. We'll see. Clark, why don't you give us uh, your first guy? So my first guy is Trey Sermon going to the San Francisco 49ers. We're excited about any running back in the 49ers. This was just a fever dream for you. This is like pairing the running back who you're high on in the offense that everyone's high on. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not a huge draft tout. I don't watch a ton of rookie film, but Matt Waldman of Matt Waldman, RSP fame and football guys fame uh, picks who he thinks is the best at every position each year and does a great job of outlining why he picked Nick Chubb over, uh, what's his name, Saquon Barkley. He picked uh, Marshawn Lynch over Adrian Peterson. And then I'll bring these things up to say that those were the right calls are necessarily, but like he really drills down to the running back position. And I think that he identifies running backs who are very good at playing running back versus guys who have huge, big, explosive plays that everybody gets super excited about. But then they forget when it's third and two, you need your running back to get you two and a half yards as kind of like I've ribbed Nick over and over about our uh, Tony Pollard versus Ezekiel Elliott love. Tony Pollard is the more exciting running back, but Ezekiel Elliott is the guy that may get you two and a half yards when you just need two yards. Anyway, point being Trace Herman, no competition on that depth chart. He will absolutely week two or three, I believe rise to the top of that incredibly explosive offense built to feature a good feature back Trey Sermons had many good college years, both at Oklahoma State and then at Ohio, where he finishes with like 4,000 yards in his last three games or some unbelievable statistic like that. So I, I just, he's automatically my RB1 in dynasty drafts and probably like third, fourth round for your just regular old fantasy drafts. Super excited about Trey Sermon this year. Damn. So Waldman also won me over on, on Trey Sermon. I, I think that the drafting in the third or fourth round of a redraft. I think that that's probably far too high. Um, part of that is shaded because of the uh, Kyle Juszczyk's appearance on the PFF forecast podcast, where he, he basically said, which, you know, people say everything, but I, like, I'll fold back. I don't know why he's going to go out there and lie saying that the team has huge plans for him. Most this year. Um, I know he, you know, he had the high ankle sprain last season. That sucks. He came back too early. Uh, and I don't know what the carryover rate is for high ankles. Actually, high ankle sprains do kind of tend to linger, but um, like year to year. But point is, I'm on board with Trace Sermon. I think that he's fantastic. And, and I think that this speaks to his type of athleticism speaks to something that tends to get overlooked. I think that 
folks out there will kind of uh, dismiss the underwear Olympics because, you know, well, what does a 40 yard dash matter? Well, yeah, it, the 40 doesn't really mean a whole lot. I, I like to know if it's on an extreme end, like a sub four, three or, you know, sub four, four, like uh, over 4.6. And he's just, he's just 4.61. But what blows my mind is here in a 1.49 10 yard split, which is like Tyree kill is a one, five, zero. Antonio Brown is a one five zero. K Makers is unbelievably a one four eight. Chris Johnson hit one four two, which is like completely alien. Julio is a one five zero. The point is, if you go like under one point five three, you are probably the fastest guy on the field at any given point. So when I want football speed, I look at that ten yard split, and he is as fast as anybody out there. Thirty seven inch vert, uh, four four point three zero twenty yard short shuttle, six eight four uh, three cone. Like these, these are very very good burst marks this guy can change direction and explode and may, he may you know be like david montgomery and, and get tackled 20 yards downfield but let's take these 20 yard chunk gains in the shanahan system and and not think too much about it uh again i think third or fourth round maybe that's a bit too high but like seven yeah but and, sure. and that and that running style for him is perfect for the shanahan zone where it's it's the one cut you hit you hit a hole and you explode and if you can hit the if you find that hole and you hit it and you explode like then you're you, you he's going to be able to do that successfully in Shanahan and that's going to in, lead to instant production. Yeah, just spitballing here but uh Sermon might be the best handcuff option that you can have this year uh cuz I feel like he will get an opportunity to either start a game or to play a lot. It's just you don't know when it's going to happen, so I'm not sure that I would spend a third or a fourth round pick on him in redraft, but if I'm uh trying to go for a backfield overall, then I would try to target Rohim and, uh, and Sermon at the same time to try to get them both. I just, yeah, I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but most are probably, or Sermon rather is probably going to have a, a big couple weeks and get in there at some point. I would like to request the wheel, Pete. The wheel has been brought. Okay. Give it to us. Trey Sermon will finish as a top 15 running back in standard formats this year. I'll take you on that. This is such a good bet because I would not take him in the third or fourth round, but would I be surprised? But if you think he's a top, top 15 back? He's worth and the third or fourth round pick. I mean, so Mostert, well, so where do you draft for him, Mostert? I don't. He's just a guy who's Garthy been a Trey guy. Mostert is the hand, handicap. He's just been some dude who has existed and been able to run in this offense for a couple of years. He can't put together more than three or four games. He's a 34 year old special teamer. The only reason he exists is because everybody else on this 49ers team gets injured all the time. Trey Sermon is the answer. This is great. Yeah. Let's throw it by our heads. I do. So, okay. I'll shut up here. Uh, I'm not going to take the bet. I think that that sermon will have weekly value regardless of most of its health though. Okay. So just to recap, just so everyone knows, I think that Trey Sermon will not be a top 15 running back in standard leagues. Clark, Clark thinks he will be Nick thinks he'll be a top 15 back, but you shouldn't draft him in the fourth round. Just so we're all clear. <laughs> I am. I'm going to not, I'm going to not take the bet. Um, Cause I think it would, for me to take that bet, I would have to say he needs to be a top 10 running back. Because uh, I'm looking right now, and the number 15 running back was Ronald Jones last year. Shit. So I, I think it's pretty easy to duck under that 15 threshold. Look, what have you got me to agree to? 
Wait, it's, hey, like, it's like a trade service scores wow. like three touchdowns and he's standard, in and I'm fucked. Standard scoring is like ESPN scoring, which is yeah, the most yeah. prevalent scoring. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's full point PPR. No, it's it's no, no PPR. standard standard no PPR. No, ESPN standard scoring is full point PPR. Oh really? When yeah, did they that change? I can look at FF today. And that was a couple years ago. So I was looking at standard points just now. Full point PPR, their RB fifteen was Naheem Hines. So. Put the baby That's at half point doable. PPR. Just half point PPR. Half point. Cut the baby in half. I no. get the top side. All or nothing. <laughs> All right. So you're saying standard. All right. We're saying standard. Touchdown base. Touchdown mm-hmm. dependent. Half PPR might be interesting because that was Mike Davis at running back 15. Ooh. He had a good year. He did. Have Mike a good Davis, year. who's not good. Clark, what Jones is it? Right what league are 16. we talking about here? I have I have a wheel on the line. I need to know. Standard scoring. Okay, okay. We're sticking with standard. All right, we're sticking with standard. We're sticking with standard. All right, Nick. Uh, you have two guys who are who, your two guys are kind of intertwined and connected because you, you don't pay attention to the rules. Rally, <laughs> rattle off both your guys. Let's talk both your guys right now. Yeah, I, Clark caught me all fired up. So um, my favorite <laughs> landing spots for players is where the players didn't land. And that's in Arizona and Atlanta. Neither team added any running backs of consequence and actually none at all. In Arizona, we talked about this last week. They only had like one pick in in the first two days. Um, It was not a running back. So Chase Edmonds has uh, James Conner, whose body was tragically, you know, ravaged by chemotherapy and like very talented player has a very, very difficult time staying healthy. I think that Edmonds will be limited. Um, touch wise like i like connor's connor's gonna get grinded out yards but if he gets hurt like they they gave edmonds full workloads last year now he did not do great with them but at this point we're kind of kind of a similar thing um he's like he you might consider edmonds should connor get hurt as like a poor man's uh naji harris he's gonna get all of the touches and some of the time it's he's just gonna fall into the end zone now whether that's like quality touches in, in the case of, of Edmonds, I, I think the point is Edmonds is going to be a high end flex. That's going to be cool. Um, the other situation is Atlanta. Mike Davis is the lead back there right now. The other guys they have on their roster are Quadri Allison and somebody named Tony Brooks, James. Um, I've never what heard of the name? other guy. Yeah. Quadri Allison has had his shot in Atlanta. He was not good. I don't think that Mike Davis is there is a particularly like spellbinding football player but he showed last year that he can be a very effective running back if given a full workload and they are in the ultra friendly ultra running back friendly arthur smith scheme that's what we're talking about right now and if you are at least getting lead back touches i'm not saying like bell cow crazy shit but like 18 a week even 15 in some instances but some of that instead of like only grinding it out like derrick henry he's getting passing game work he's going to be a running back too whether we like it or not. Yeah. Mike Davis, I feel like is a locked in RB two uh, this year with, with not too much thought. Yeah. I wish the Jaguars were on this list, but, uh, but they're not. We'll talk about them later because my James Robinson shares not thrilled, but these are both great guy, great spots where they're veterans who we've talked a lot about as if there was someone brought in, especially a rookie, it would upset the depth chart. And they're both re- they're both prime backfields for fantasy production. And the fact that no one is there to really challenge Chase Edmonds outside of James Conner, which we've talked a lot about before when that signing happened. And no one definitely is there to challenge Mike Davis. It's a pretty good sign for both those guys in 2021. 
Yeah, really like Mike Davis. James Conner, though, definitely the RB1 in Arizona. That's the sound of the wheels spinning because Clark and I are putting a bet on the board. Chase Edmonds will finish with more half half point PPR points than James Conner, assuming at least 12 games of health. Look at all these qualifiers. Where's the boldness, Nick? Like, as long you as want to Mars and the guy who gets hurt, like, okay, yeah. Uh, half point PPR scoring, total points, period. Yes. And, and it, but this is amazing because, Clark, I'm going to circle back to this, whatever you're like. Now, you know, total points aren't really what we need to be looking at. It's points per game. That's a different thing because I'm not trying to make that point right now. But <laughs> a good Clark impression, though. I didn't even know who was saying it. I've never seen him wag his finger. I That was all. <laughs> that was me. All right. Chase Edmonds, more half point PPR total points than James Conner. And Clark is taking up on that. Beautiful. All right, man, we are just now that the wheel's in full effect. There's gonna be lots spicy. of spoons of mustard. There's gonna be a lot of <laughs> shit done on this show now. Good lord. The majority of the show is just gonna be like fulfilling all of the bets we've made. All right, we've each Jordan Clark and I have one more uh guy to talk about. Let's rattle through them. Jordan, who do you got? Who's your final uh uh landing spot you really liked? Uh so this is Probably more so a guy that's not going to help you in redraft that much this year, but definitely a good dynasty pickup would be Amir Smith Marset. Uh, he went to the Minnesota Vikings. He's out of Iowa. Um, he is a pretty good deep ball guy who can play in the slot. He was a hurdler in high school, and that kind of explosion um, off the line of scrimmage definitely shows up. He's uh, a little bit weaker in press coverage, so that's something that he will have to get better at. <laughs> but <laughs> Clark has a whole fucking haberdashery in front of him. Isn't that is that a hat thing? Is haberdashery hats or is that? Yes, it is. Yes, nailed it. Haberdashery. I think hats are sold there, but it's it's a general store in a remote location, is it not? Are you, yeah, fucking kidding no. me? are you fucking kidding me, Nick? Or, just well, let me have this. Just let me have implications this. From it. You're right. God it's a fucking damn story. it. For the listeners God. at home, Clark currently looks like the little Plinko character that's climbing up the mountain from Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> it's the Price yeah, is Right, but you're the rails. so close. Oh, Price is Right. That's what I meant. I was thinking wheel. All, all, uh, show all the wheel all talk has, the gotten, has gotten Jordan fixated <laughs> on wheels. Um, Amir Smith, Marset. Anyway, uh, this is another um, opportunity play because there's, of course, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in Minnesota. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is gone now, so there's just Irv Smith Jr. as the tight end, and that slot position is very wide open. And I don't think uh, Chad BB or anybody else, BC Johnson, is going to fill that slot role uh, for much longer with uh, Smith Marset on the roster now. So. Yeah, I like I like for if you're playing in a deep league and you're like sitting whatever the fifth round of your rookie dynasty draft and you're like I'm gonna throw out, I'm just gonna grab a random name, it's a great name to randomly grab out. I did that a couple of seasons ago. You know who I got? DJ Chark. So, all right, Clark, uh, who's your second guy? Uh, wide receiver one, DJ Chark, now playing with the amazing Trevor Lawrence of Jacksonville. And, Look at that transition. Uh, I'll be talking about another Jacksonville Jaguar with Travis Etienne. Uh, a lot of people liked him as their RB1. Uh, a lot of people had him as their RB2, and that just about covers everyone else. Uh, one of my favorite things about the Jaguars picking Travis Etienne early 
on sort of in the first round is it just cements to all Jaguars fans you've been so many qualifiers Clark you've been excited about Urban Meyer coming to town you've been excited about Trevor Lawrence going number one overall Jaguars fans have a lot of reasons to be excited and then before the first day of the draft is even over you get put back in your place as a team that doesn't deserve anything nice because you know what you did. You got gifted James Robinson, undrafted free agent running back, who is amazing. And then you go and pull some donkey horse in the first round and you draft Travis Etienne. It's going to be another five years of misery, Jaguars fans. This is what you get. It's all downhill from here. What a horrible pick, Travis Etienne. I thank you. You said that so well. Thank you. I so should much. have I should have known when Clark sent it to our, our Slack message that he's like, I'm gonna talk about Travis Etienne. I should have known that it wasn't gonna be positive. I should have just assumed <laughs> that this wasn't gonna be positive. Clark talking about the Jaguars backfield. How is that ever positive? So when when the news came out that, that Carlos Hyde was signed, it always sat unwell with me because it's like that dude has been siphoning carries for ages but what is most important is that urban meyer went in there and he went no i want someone reliable who i've coached before like it it, there was this little like yeah but why did he go get the guy he's already had on his team i don't know it it was fucking weird did you hear his quote his uh, quote was he was he was like I want I want uh robinson and hyde to be our one two punch and then atn to be our third down back i want top eight that's it what the hell is top eight what are we saying like a top eight rushing attack is that what you're trying to like what is your top eight there urban that's so fucking irritating um as an aside i don't know if you guys did you guys see just building on jaguars misery did you guys see the the interview with uh with trevor lawrence in jags stadium and the the reporter he's 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 got like his chest swells and he's like i was wondering you know trevor if if I could be the first person to catch a ball thrown oh, by you in oh Jaguar no. Stadium. And he hands it to him. And like Lawrence kind of awkwardly pauses and goes, No, I, I think I'm going to save that for one of my teammates. And it's oh. just quiet for like way too long. And the reporter, like, obviously didn't think he was going to reject him having a catch. And he does not recover well. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, I mean, that's a bad hey, start. Good on, good on. Uh, I'll, I'll give uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence props for that. It's genuine. Not great in yeah. front of the TV, though. Yeah, who cares? They're reporters. Get off your high horse, reporters. This is the like kind of draft move that makes you like a little bit worried about Trevor Lawrence's development and being with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because like I think stuff like this and saying that Travis Etienne is going to be their third back or like their change of pace back after the one-two punch however they want to phrase it is what makes you think there's a legitimate conversation in dynasty leagues if trey lance or trevor lawrence should be the 101 qb uh it's like i don't know it's just dumb i don't know if urban meyer is smoke screening us i don't know if he is like playing that kind of 40 chess at this point in his professional coaching career but that's just I don't know. It sucks because you literally had a guy that you got for nothing who was a very valuable starter for the Jaguars last year. And instead of like reinvesting in some other areas that'll actually help Trevor Lawrence, they 
double down on a position the league as a whole has decided is not that valuable anymore. So freelance is the 101 in rookie superflex leagues by a mile because of the incompetence of the Jaguars organization. Urban Meyer was relevant 15 years ago and they finally bringing him in. And this is the first thing that he does. I think Trevor Lawrence is a good prospect, but there's no way that I'm taking him over Trey Lance. Just at, even if I have to wait eight games before Trey Lance comes in, the stability that you have in San Francisco, just I I I understand it's an argument, but I am I am just 100% in the camp of I'll take Trey Lance in the 203 versus Trevor Lawrence just because he's going to be ruined again like many good players by this organization and I am just not a Texans I think Clark anymore. switched his hat just so that he looks like a man yodeling atop a, a Swiss Alps whilst yelling and shouting down the Jaguars it's yeah I haven't understood anything he said it's just coming out and yodels <laughs> Oh, man. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, my final guy whose landing spot I really liked, I talked about this. We did a show a couple weeks ago, oh, actually, probably even months ago, where we were talking about uh, fantasy kind of backfields or receiving rooms that we are really excited about regardless of who's there. The Jets waited until the fourth round to draft a running back, but Michael Carter has, he's not one of the top three backs that we, that was kind of consensus in this class, but he's still a really good running back. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Devonta Freeman, which fits really nicely in uh, Mike LaFleur's, again, Shanahan's one cut zone offense. Um, and the Jets invested in their O-line. Obviously they got Makai Becton last year who, who made big strides, but then Elijah Vera Tucker drafting him in the, with their second first round pick. And then the passing game is obviously going to improve with, or you're going to hope it's improved with Zach Wilson under there, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, those guys, uh, which makes the defense have to trust that and, and prepare for that. This is a situation where their running back depth chart is Tevin Coleman. I give it two weeks before, uh, if, if Michael Carter shows anything that before he's getting starting touches, uh, He's likely going pretty cheap in redraft simply because of the fact that he's not one of those top three running backs that people know they're not the names or even Trey Sermon, like even Trey Sermon wasn't a top three running back kind of in this class, but he's going to have more pub than Michael Carter is uh, going to the Jets, but he's a guy who I am actually really excited about and I think could step into a really big amount of touches, which is something that's pretty rare uh, this day and age in the NFL, given how many, how many backfields are uh, committee run. Yeah, not much in front of him. He, again, is a very skilled running back who is a bit undersized, but he can catch the ball as well, which is going to be huge. So not a whole lot in front of him. New coaching regime who drafted him, you know, kind of relatively highly. So Carter, a lot of pre-draft buzz about how talented he is. Definitely like a late peak in your in your drafts this year. Yeah, this is the, uh, I guess, antithesis of what the Jaguars did by drafting a rookie QB and then going for a running back and said the Jets got their QB. They added another piece of the offensive line to go with Makai Becton, who was uh, really good for them last year. And they waited and got a guy who could potentially start for them in the fifth round. Uh, he's, I think, listed at like 201. He might be a little bit lighter than that, but if he puts on, you know, another 10 pounds, 15 pounds during the off season and uh, really works to be the RB one there. He's already got the speed and other sort of skills to help um, with that offense. And you kind of like to see 
or would like to see any running back going in the Shanahan LaFleur style offense. So but they're doing it more right, shockingly, as it's New York Jets than, uh, than a few other teams out here. Awesome. Well, there you go. So those are uh, some names that you should start kind of keeping in the back of your minds as you approach your redrafts, dynasty drafts, whatever. Good guys to keep track of. Um, before we go, we do want to do a little housework, peeling back the onion curtain. This will be our last show branded as RB1 under the Fake Teams Podcast Network. We will be back. Don't worry. In fact, we will be back next week. Uh, we're just we're going to be coming back under a different heading, but our, we will be coming to your beautiful ears uh, soon. So never fear. There will be lots of announcements coming on our behalf. So make sure to check uh, our uh, Twitter pages. Uh, so follow us on Twitter. You can follow myself at Peter M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Uh, make sure you do subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast. Even though we are leaving, there's still a lot of great podcast content coming out of Fake Teams. Uh, they will they have a fantasy baseball show, fantasy basketball show. So if either of those appeal, please do uh, make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams show. Uh, and we will be back at you next week. Worry not. Never fear. But... For the last time, signing off for the RB1 Podcast. Uh, Until then, peace.